Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoy the message. You know, every uh, uh, we celebrate a Memorial Day every weekend here at Dogwood Church. Matter of fact, that's the that is part of what Christian worship is. Every seven days, we come together to remember one who died in our place one who died for our freedom to set us free from the slavery of sin. Every Sunday is Memorial Day weekend uh, for the Christian and the follower of Jesus, and we do that again here today. Well, we are, uh, we are in our fifth Sunday of a series that we've been calling InstaFam, Snapshots of a Healthy Family. And we have been uh, going to um, kind of the, the Super Bowl champion of... Um, of uh, passages in God's Word uh, that speaks to uh, the family, Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. And so the first weekend, we, uh, we looked at uh, what the, the power and the perspective that we need for healthy families, marriages and families. And it's, it's the general teaching of uh, the new life in Christ and the kind of people that Christ will turn us into should we follow him rightly as taught in Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 5, down about halfway through uh, the chapter. And we discovered that the power comes from being in Christ and being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit or controlled by, directed by, guided by, empowered by God's Holy Spirit uh, on a day-to-day basis. And then uh, he begins to... Uh, give us examples of what this new life in Christ uh, being controlled by God's Holy Spirit, how it would work itself out in relationships of all kinds. Uh, And so then a few weeks ago, we dealt with what he said about wives and their husbands and then about husbands and their wives. And then last week, Pastor David Hodge, our discipleship pastor, taught us wonderfully about the perspective of children relating to their parents. All under the umbrella of verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 5 that says that those who are filled with God's Spirit will submit to one another out of reverence for or out of fear of the Lord Jesus Christ. Reverential awe because of our, our love and worship of Jesus, we will voluntarily rank ourselves under each other. Look out for each other's best interest. And so then he describes what that looks like for everyone to do uh, such a thing. Well, today we come to parents and their children. What does it look like for parents to, to do what sounds out, certainly sounded outrageous in uh, the, the first century Roman Empire uh, to say parents submit to your kids out of reverence and awe of Christ. What, what would that even look like? Uh, but we come there. And we come, it's all summed up in one verse, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. We're going to look at it in just a moment. Now, I've given this talk on this passage many times, all the way back to the beginning of my ministry before I had kids. And before I had children, I had the, the title of this message was 10, uh, uh, so ten uh, Certain Steps to successfully raising your kids. That's what I called it. Now that my children, my daughters are in their 30s and uh, I have two grandchildren, I've changed the title today to a couple of things you might want to think about. (laughs) 
And so with that in mind, uh, let's, uh, uh, let's take a look at, at what God's Word says. Now, we all have a problem when it comes to parents and kids. Parents, mostly we have parents in here. I see just a few children. Parents, sometimes we exasperate our kids. Uh, kids, sometimes your parents drive you up the wall inappropriately. They do. And neither parents' kids know what to do about it. We stay in this pattern. We stay in this pattern. It's not a new problem because the Apostle Paul was dealing with, uh, with it over 2,000 years ago in a totally different culture in a totally different time in history. Same problem. The great hymn writer and pastor John Newton, who penned the words to uh, the, our magnificent hymn, Amazing Grace, he once said this, I know that my father loved me, but he did not seem to wish me to see it. Uh, Martin Luther, the great theologian and reformer, his father was so stern with him all of his life that Luther wrote later on that all his days he had a, he had a difficult time starting the words to the Lord's Prayer, our father. Because when he heard the word father, all he thought about was harshness. He had a hard time with that. Well, as I thought and prayed about these things and came to this verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6, um, that's what I thought about. So look at this one as we read it together. Ephesians 4, verse 6. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, God's Spirit also inspired the Apostle Paul to address the issue with the Christians in the church at Colossae. Ephesus was on the Aegean Sea. It was one of the major seaports in the ancient world. There was a church planted there. He wrote to them. Uh, Colossae uh, was a a little town uh, in the Lycus Valley on a riverside uh, in what is now modern-day Turkey. And Paul uh, was inspired by God in Colossians chapter 3 to write something similar to them where he says, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Uh, if you, I, I, I went to as many English translations of the scriptures as I could find uh, to see how different translators uh, express this. Listen to some of these. Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or, your, or you'll crush their spirits. Parents, don't be too hard on your children. If you are, they might give up. Fathers, don't scold your children so much that they become discouraged and quit trying. Parents, don't be too hard on your children. Uh, They might become discouraged and quit, lose heart. Uh, Here, the amplified version expresses it this way. Fathers, parents, do not provoke or irritate or fret your children. Do not be too hard on them or harass them. Uh, unjustly, lest they become discouraged and sullen and morose and feel inferior and frustrated. Do not break their spirit. Okay, pretty clear. It is a command. Now, in, in Ephesians 4, 6, we have two commands. The first command to those of us of followers of Christ is to not do something. The second command is to do something. Not do something and to do something. Uh, today, we're going to deal with the what not to do part. Fathers, parents, do not exasperate your children or stir up anger in your children. Next week, we're going to come back and deal with the, but but instead, what to do? Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, instruction and admonition 
of uh, the Lord Jesus. So let me give you the historical setting. The Apostle Paul is uh, inspired by God's Spirit writing uh, in the time of the Roman Empire. And uh, he is giving these instructions that are countercultural. How to live, how Christians live out their faith in their family relationships in a culture that was totally hostile to it. It was not safe to be a child in a home during the Roman Empire. Uh, there was a law on the books called the Father's Power. Uh, and uh, this particular law allowed uh, the father to have absolute power over his family. And he was, he was allowed to keep it for as long as he lived. <clears throat> and uh, he could sell them as slaves. He could cause them to work in the fields in chains if he wanted to. Uh, he could uh, take the law into his own hands and punish them severely, even enact the death penalty if he desired. It was, it was a, a rough time. So when a child was born, here was the, the practice in Rome in those days. When the child was born, the, the newborn child was, was placed at the father's feet. If he picked up the child and embraced it, the child was uh, taken into the home. If he turned away, the child was literally thrown away. Thrown away. And uh, we have a, in, in, in the historical record, we have a letter dated in the first century B.C. from a man named uh, Hilarion to his wife, Elise. And here's what the letter says. Uh, Hilarion to Elise, his wife, heartiest greetings. Know that we are still, even now in Alexandria, Egypt. Do not worry if when all others return, I remain in Alexandria. I beg and beseech you to take care of the little child. So evidently they had a preschooler. And as soon as we receive wages, I will send them to you. If, good luck to you, you have another child. Now evidently she was expecting a child. His wife was expecting. If it is a boy, let it live. If it is a girl, expose it. Seneca, the philosopher uh, during this period in the Roman Empire, wrote these words. It's going to be on the screen. He wrote, We slaughter a fierce ox, we strangle a mad dog, we plunge a knife into a sick cow, and children who are born weakly and deformed, we drown. Just stating the facts, what we do. Now, lest you be too hard on Rome, we're very similar our, today. We're very similar in our culture uh, today. And so into this culture, God intervenes. An act of his grace, he says, no, here's my word. Not, not only do you have, don't, don't act out on this power, but don't even embitter your children. Don't live in such a way that you bring them to the point of uh, resentment. Now, again, this word fathers in other places in the New Testament is translated parents. So it's interchangeable. It's interchangeable. And uh, while this is, so, this is so, it seems in our culture that fathers tend to frustrate their, uh, are more likely to frustrate or exasperate their kids. Mothers are more likely to spoil them. But either way, now, again, to, to embitter or to exasperate children, uh, there's a lot of ways to describe that. But let's just, let me just give you one phrase. Let's say it this way. To, to parent them and relate to them in such a way that you drive them to resentment. Drive them to deep-seated 
long-term resentment. And God just says to us parents, don't do that. Okay. Now, this is a good place where we do our uh, Bible interpretation work that we do here in our church where you write YBH, question mark, yes, but how. That's the big point. We're going to try to get to some of the yes, but how here in a second. Uh, do, Do not live in such a way that we drive our children to resentment, that they give up, they become listless, they become disillusioned, they become discouraged, they become despairing. I was a youth minister for, a uh, youth pastor for 12 years before I became a senior pastor. And uh, at another church, in another state, at another time, I'm not talking about any one of you, but I, I had occur to me, uh, happened to me, what uh, happens from time to time, and that's when parents want to use me as a weapon. And that means they drag their kids in and, t- or, and t- want me to tell them what they're supposed to straighten them out. John, you've had that happen. And uh, every minister has had that that happen. Just so you're thinking about it, I must, I won't do it. So um, if, you, if you do that, I'm going to leave you hanging. You're going to be on your own out there. Uh, but um, uh, it happened again, and I was close to this family. I knew this family very well, and I, was, I knew the young man very well. He was 13 years old. He's, just, he's a normal 13-year-old, you know, which make any parent bug-eyed. Uh, 13-year-old son on raging hormones and... Uh, terminal acne and the whole thing, you know. Just, uh, just he was out, but he uh, he was a he was a great kid, normal kid, and we were we knew each other well and were close. And I was close to the family, and I knew his mother. She called and made an appointment for not for me and my son. Not he didn't call his name. Me and my son were having trouble, and I need you to help us. Well, I knew what that meant because I knew her, and you know. A 15-minute conversation with her left you feeling like you'd been beat with a rubber hose. I mean, I'm just, it just, that's the truth. It just did. And thought, oh, boy, this is going to be... I knew what it was going to be. And sure enough, the day came. They came into my office, had a little sofa there in my office, and they sat down, and she leaned forward and started telling everything that's wrong with this son and what she needed and what he wouldn't have and how I needed to tell him. And, and, of course, we knew each other. He was just leaning back. His mama couldn't see him. And he had this look on his face. He was looking at me like, Pastor Keith, save me. Save me. Can you possibly save me from my fate? He, said, he loved his mama. He loved his mama. But I'm telling you, he, he was already up the wall. I don't know how, you know, I left, I don't know how, I don't know how they made out. I've never known since then, Mike, but whew, bless him. And so he says, don't do this. What, what exasperates our kids? Well, there's several things. I mean, overprotection, smothering them, putting them in a straitjacket, not fencing them in. Every kid needs fences. I'll talk to you about that in a moment. But putting them in a straitjacket, they don't need straitjackets. Putting them in a straitjacket, never letting them gain a sense of independence, never letting them fail. Uh, It's pretty safe to fail in homes around here. Let them them flop. And... um, but never letting them do that and learning how to get up back on their feet again, comparing them to their brothers and sisters. Why can't you be like your sister? Well, how's that ever worked? Not good. Why can't you be like... Well, that's pretty much going to guarantee they're not going to be like them. You know, every time. Uh, Parents who try to make their kids in their own image, I think you must always think and feel and be shaped by God just like me. We're not. We're all individuals. Um, 
Here's one, parents who never explain the reasoning behind their decisions. Now, we're all, we all have it in the heat of the moment when our kids come to us and we say, no, we're going to do this or we're not going to do that. And, and the, the octane is starting to rise and they say, why? And we pull out that great uh, axiom of parenting that says, because I said so. Yeah, that, yeah, that's great. That works, doesn't it? Well, you know, there's some truth to that. There's truth that, you know, that God does give us an authority structure in uh, in in in, uh, in this world, and parents and kids is one of them. Um, parents, uh, kids are to obey the parents. Do have I say so authority? Um, so there's a there's a time for that. That's not the problem. It's never going back and helping them begin to understand reasoning. It is God created human beings with the developmental need. I mean, human growth, all human growth and development will tell you uh, from every perspective that when, when, so, when a human being reaches adolescence, they have a fundamental need to begin to learn to figure out why. Why do we do what we do and why do we not do what we don't do? And, and wh- you know, how does the world work and how am I going to navigate this? And how am I going to make decisions? And God gave our kids parents to be the primary faculty to teach them to think. And so it's okay to, it's okay to do that because I said so, because you do have God-given authority to say so. But it, it, probably not in the heat of the moment, but for the time when everybody calms down, can you say, let's, let's do an autopsy on this last encounter and, and come back and let me talk to you about reasoning for a little bit. I want you to, but, and tell them because I want you to mature. I want you to be able to think for yourself and choose and navigate difficult situations in life. And so let, let me talk to you about my reasoning and how, and you might say, well, I don't reason. I just do what I want to do. Well, then you got some work to do. The Bible says that we Christians are to prepare our minds for action. And part of the area we're to prepare our minds for is this thing of parenting. And it's relentless. It's just relentless. It's exhausting. And it never stops. And so we just, but God says, yeah, I gave you this assignment. And so get to work. But, but to think through the why and begin to teach your sons and daughters, I teach my daughters that say, here's, here's the reasoning. Here's this, here's that. And you begin to, that's when people begin to mature. And you can mature your kids beyond their age. If you'll say, I'm going to teach them why. For the good and the difficult, for the easy and the and the tough, uh, just keep and then even taking them on a journey of saying, you know, I'm not sure why yet, but let's figure this out. Some of the wisest parents I know have done that. Now, there's this other thing that you have as a parent that God, in His grace, gives you, and that's what I call God-given parental intuition. I didn't always understand this, and I can't give you chapter and verse, but I can give you many, many stories where I've seen it happen. The first was my mom, who was the most innocent, pure-hearted, naive person, uh, at least I thought she was, naive. Uh, But I can remember a time when I was a junior in high school, and I wanted to be involved in an activity, and she looked at me a moment, and there was no apparent reason for me not to do it. But she said, no. I said, no. You know, octane starts to rise. And it got pretty high. I'm glad my dad was not present at the time because you wouldn't have a pastor (laughs) 
today uh, because I got a little, a little inappropriate with my mom. But she said something very wise, and it was so surprising she'd never said it to me before that I, it, I just shut my mouth. She said, you know, I don't know. I said, why? She said, I don't know why. I just don't think and feel right about this, and you're just going to have to trust me. Now, it turns out she was right. That's another story for another time. I'll leave that in hanging. And, uh, but uh, she was right about that. God sometimes gives parents intuition about things, and you have to go with it. Now, but here's the wise thing. The thing that helped me is you can come back to them and say, this is one of those times, they'll be re- it doesn't, you can't play that card all the time when it's not true. But to say, I, I don't know why it's one of these things, but every now and then I get these things. God's given me this responsibility. And so sometimes the why is, I don't know why. But you've got to trust me on this. I'm responsible for you. But see, even if they don't agree with it, that's some, that is some, re, you see, there's some reasoning there. And there's some wisdom there. But to not enter into the hard work of helping uh, equip our kids to think for themselves results in what's going to happen this August when the next crop of uh, graduated high school seniors go off to college or to hell, moral and spiritual hell, which is where you're sending them. Sorry, but you are. It's, 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 those of you who've already done that, am I, am I lying? No. Those you, don't you remember going to college? Okay, then. Okay, then. And that's why some of them go over the wall and, and, and self-destruct, and some don't. Because some go over the wall, because they, all they've been given is rules and never wisdom. And why? Why? Why do we do or not do? Why are some things... And so I'm telling you, their life depends on it. You've got to teach them why. We have to teach them why. And it starts with your grandkids. You become a, a helper with them as, as well. So um, sometimes that frustrates our kids. Also, um, parents who don't let their kids think and doubt and make their faith their own. No one comes to true faith in Jesus without first doubting him. I mean, well, it's it's a because this is outrageous. Wait a minute, there's a God outside this world, and we think he's Jesus? Is that really true? Now don't panic when your kids ask that question. It's that's good, those are good questions. And he's he's at work revealing himself to the kids, but you've got to People have to be have the freedom to think because they've got it anyway, whether you want them to have it or not. God made us with the ability to think and reason, and so. Um, but parents that go with them on that journey, because there's that's a good journey to take. Again, that's equipping them for life and and faith. Um, perfectionist parents who can't be pleased. That's that's another one. You're just too hard on the kids. Too just all rules. Everything's a rule. Everything's a rule. Everything's a rule. Put this put this up on the board. There's a little uh, equation I want you to write down. Rules minus relationship equals rebellion. It just always does. Rules minus relationship equals rebellion. We'll get to the relationship part 
uh, very quickly. So how do we keep from doing this? How do we keep from exasperating our kids? Well, I am in debt to two authors that I read years ago, and I got this little list. Uh, some of, did any of you remember the name? Some of you have been in uh, following Jesus a long time. Dr. Ross Campbell and his little book, How to Really Love Your Kids. Anybody? Find that book. He knocked it out. He got a lot of wood on the ball with that book. Um, uh, also, uh, Josh McDowell picked up some of his right, and then he expanded on it. So I'm in debt to, to the both of them for this, this list. But let me, let me just give you um, uh, kind of six words that might help you and me start down this road of relational parenting so that we have rules and relationship that equals healthy uh, healthy. Uh, kids. And so here's the first one. I'm going to give you a one-word focus and explain it just a little bit. Here's the first one. Uh, The first word is affirm. Affirm their feelings. Affirm their feelings. Romans 12, 15 says this, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Uh, If you want to live a life of great impact, go through your life doing that with everybody you can. When people have reason to rejoice, you enter into the joy with them and encourage them. When they're sad and mourning and grieving, you enter into their sadness and grief and your presence comforts them. Uh, if you do that, when you get to the end of, the, of your life, there's going to be a lot of people at your funeral. I hope you have a bigger goal than that in life. But, uh, uh, but, but uh, that's going to take place. Now do this with your kids. Affirm their feelings when they are grieving Grieve with them. When they're sad, be sad with them. When they're, when they're rejoicing in good things, then, then rejoice with them. And that's going to be a good workout because, you know, especially in adolescence, uh, their emotions change about every 30 seconds, up and down, up and down, just what's going on in our, in our bodies. But um, affirm their feelings before you, before you try to fix their circumstances. James 1.19 says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Number two, write this word down, accept Accept them for who they are no matter what. It's like Jesus accepted us, Romans fifteen seven. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Now, these accepting words focus more on the worth of a person and the value of a person uh, rather than on what they're doing right or wrong. I mean, you know, you might not, you might not be pleased with their... Uh, actions or their performance, but you can say, you're incredibly valuable to me. I'm going to accept you no matter what. That means I agree with everything or even am pleased with everything, but I accept you. You are mine. You're, you're, not getting, you're stuck with me. I was at a funeral. Attended, Allison and I attended the funeral of uh, Elise Walton's brother down in Columbus uh, at uh, Fort Benning about a month ago, and I loved what the pastor said about her brother. He uh, the pastor knew him very, very well and got up before the family and looked at him and said, Frank loved you and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and that, and she, she just kept hammering that, hammering that. He loved you and there's nothing you can do about it. It's to, to accept means her kids, I love you and there's nothing you can do about that. Now, we may get sideways and you may, I may not be pleased with you, but you are stuck with me. Now, that's an incredibly secure uh, posture to take uh, with our, our kids. Number three, write down the word appreciate. Appreciate them for doing what they're doing right. You know, God, model, God the Father modeled this for you and me uh, when he uh, blessed and affirmed God the Son, our Lord Jesus, at his baptism. In Matthew thirteen seven. he said, This is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. 
I recommend that you do that with your kids their whole life, even if they're adult kids. You are my son. You are my daughter, whom I love, and I am well pleased with you. You can't say that too many times. Uh, God modeled that for us. Ken Blanchard uh, is famous for a lot of things in the in the business world. Probably most famous and most notable for his little book he wrote in the early 80s, The One Minute Manager, where he said to managers, uh, catch the people on your team doing something right. Catch your employees doing something right and take 60 seconds and point it out to them, acknowledge it, and thank them for it. And thank them for it. Well, be a one-minute parent. I mean, look, 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 look intentionally for things that your kids are doing right. Now, for some of you, it may be a little work. You know, he got up today. Oh, good. You know, he, uh, so whatever it, whatever it, it, it is, um, uh, but uh, it may be some, find them doing something right. Now, you are going to find things they're doing wrong and you kind of need, you got to bring guidance to that too. But work hard at finding what they're doing right and appreciating and applauding it. Number four, write down this word, affection. Shower them with affection constantly. That great theologian and philosopher, James Taylor said it right. Shower the people you love with love. Show them the way you feel. Things are going to be much better if you only will. He's right. I think he was uh, giving us a paraphrase of 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Uh, some of, how many of you, some of you, God created you naturally, relationally intelligent and outwardly, physically and verbally affectionate. If that's you on three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Yeah. Oh, I knew I, this is why I like this service uh, so good. There's so many of you in here. Others, you're not so much that way. Now, those of you who were, uh, God just you showed up on the planet that way, you, don't, you think, why, why, what's the problem? Why doesn't everybody have an ever-increasing circle of uh, friends and acquaintances who love and like them? Make and keep friends easily. Uh, it's because everybody's a little different. Some of you are, uh, you know, he made you a little bit differently when it comes, but don't, don't deceive yourself to say, I'm just not that way. Uh, but that's just not me. My friend Dick Lincoln, who is a retired pastor up in South Carolina, um, is famous for saying this. He'd say, be yourself. Be yourself. Unless part of who you are is a loser, (laughs) then be somebody else. Then be somebody else. Now, that was his fun way of saying there's some things you can learn. And so some of us, naturally do these things. Others of us need to be put mechanisms in place and reminders of of just healthy things to do relationally with all people, certainly with our kids, like showing affection, verbal and physical uh, affection. Uh, Some of you are old enough in here, I think, who will remember when I say the name Bill Glass. Anybody know that name? Oh, oh, some do. Anybody from Cleveland originally? Okay. Bill Glass was a uh, an outstanding uh, defensive end for the Cleveland Browns uh, way back uh, in in his NFL days. And after he finished his football career, he went into the Christian ministry, and he focused primarily on prison ministry. And he he uh, ministered in prisons 
around the world, mostly in North America, but traveled uh, the world. After 36 years of addressing primarily, not exclusively, but primarily men who are incarcerated in the prisons of the world, he said this, our country's biggest problem, he said, I believe the main reason people end up in prison is the lack of a father's verbal blessing on his sons and daughters. The lack of a father's verbal blessing. Don't be like John Newton's father. Don't let him, don't let him say, I know my daddy loved me, but I think he was really afraid I was going to know it. Afraid to let me, uh, let me see it. Number five, jot down this word, availability. Be like Jesus. Emmanuel, which means God is with us, the God who is with us, the God who did not, did not stay distant but left heaven and came to earth uh, to atone for our sin. And He is the God who is near. He is the God who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is the God who says in His word, uh, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. He is the God who says, I am near to those who are brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's the God who says in the book of, of Hebrews, uh, come boldly, rush boldly uh, into my, uh, uh, before the throne of grace that you may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He's pissed. I may be the king of the universe, but you, my child, can rush right in and interrupt anything that's going on and come right. I am infinitely available to you. And we are, to, Jesus left us an example to follow in his steps, the scriptures say. So let's be available to our kids, whatever that looks like. Make yourself available, easy to get to. Uh, someone, one writer once said that uh, love is a four-letter word spelled T-I-M-E. And I would encourage you to lose the myth of quality time. It is a myth. Lose the myth of quality time. Well, I don't have much time with my kids, but I have quality time with them. Baloney. Uh, it, It's obvious if you're here looking at me that I enjoy food. It's obvious to me that some of you do as well. (laughs) And um, anybody like prime rib? Anybody like prime rib? Woohoo! I like prime rib. Yes, yes, yes. Well, let's let's imagine that you and I discovered uh, the restaurant that said we officially have the finest prime rib in the southeastern United States. Hands down, everybody votes. Best prime rib in the United States. Now, it's expensive and it's popular and you have to make reservations weeks ahead of time, but we make reservations and we're going to go eat the best prime rib in the southeastern United States. And so the evening comes and we take the nice ride down to downtown Atlanta and are shown to our table and place our order and here it comes and they bring out a platter and put it before us and there is a one-inch cube of prime rib on the platter for 50 bucks. I said, I wanted the finest prime rib in Atlanta. Oh, it is. It is the finest prime rib, highest quality prime rib in the southeastern United States. Would you be happy with that? Of course not. Same thing's true with our time. When it comes to relationships, quality time is quantity time. You just got to swell up the time and figure out how to do it. And uh, it's not always easy, but figure it out. Final th- word here, how we have relational parenting that doesn't exasperate our kids. Accountability. There is discipline. There is 
accountability. Accountability and discipline means fences. It means there's the safety of fences. That we know where the we know where the barriers are. We know where the lines are. We give them a sense of responsibility through loving accountability. Now I told you earlier that rules minus relationship equals rebellion. Here's another equation. Relationship minus rules equals irresponsibility. Got to have both. Got to have both. And you tell them why. You set up the fences. You teach them to think. You tell them you're trying to get them up and out on their own as quickly as, as possible. Yeah, here's what, here's what you do. Now, now, when you're growing up, you know, you're, you're running into the fences. Now, even, even the most compliant sons or daughters, you know, wish, ah, we, we, long for some, we long for independence. That's good. That is God-given because God intends for everybody to grow up and be independently dependent upon Him. And parents' job is to help kids get there as quickly as they possibly can, not keep them. Not keep them. Get them there as quickly as we can. But, but, so, but to get them there, we have to teach them where the fences are and how to best navigate life. And so parenting can be designed with starting out with a very, very narrow pasture. And then as they mature, we give them a little more responsibility. And with responsibility, it gives a little more freedom. Oops, they couldn't handle that. Got to bring them in a little bit. Okay, okay, now we're doing good. Let's, let's move it back out. Hey, they handled it. Okay, okay, okay. Next step. Going to move them out a little further. A little more responsibility. Oh, way to go. Way to go. A little more, a little more, a little more. Until one day you give them their own pasture. They're, they're in charge of the fences. But every, every child, I don't really want this, but, but we don't know yet. That's why God gave us parents. We don't know what's right. But you tell them why and you tell them what you're doing. Tell them, tell your kids that your objective as a mom and a dad is not to keep them at home. Somebody thought, well, that's what I'm wanting. Well, stop it. You can want it. It's not going to work. God intended them to grow up and be independently dependent upon him and your best friends when they grow up. That's what you want. That's what you want. That's good. That's good. And so tell them, now my job is to help you mature and get to be on your own as quickly as I can get you there. Oh, that will be an aha for your kids. It'll be a good one. Oh, okay, okay. And so, but give, but they still need the loving accountability and you need to help them know where the fences are and keep them there. Proper support, proper control. Now we need help. No parent does this perfectly. There are no perfect parents. And all of us parents whose kids are grown, we look back and go, oh, my soul. And we all go back and have these conversations with the kids. Ooh, I'm sorry. Do you remember when? And they'll go, what? I don't even remember that. And we've all been staying up at night regretting all these things. Oh, I ruined these kids. And oh, I was terrible. And oh, what did I do? And I had one of these with my youngest daughter back in the fall. I went up to see her. And uh, we had a couple of days together just uh, having some fun. And, and I said, hey, I'm going to ask you, you know, did, did, I, did we do okay? And I was... I started down that road, and she went, what? I don't even know what you're talking about. So parents, don't beat yourselves up. We're not going to be perfect. Jesus is perfect. We've already got a God. You're not him. You don't, that job's taken. You don't have to be him, but you are a parent, and uh, we need help. And so let's ask for it. Pray with me. Pray with me. Why don't you just say, Lord, 
I not only need your wisdom to know what to do and how to do it with my children, but I need your power. And so would you enable me? I'm asking for your help. Pray through these six words. Say, Lord, help help me know how to live this out so that whatever I do, I do not exasperate my children. So, Lord, we give you thanks. Thank you that in your great grace and in your great love, you have made a way for us. Thank you that we not only can be reconciled to you through repentance and faith in you and surrender to you as Lord of our life, but that you also will empower us to, not, to live with you and to live with our family members in healthy ways. Continue to make it so, we pray. And it is in Christ's name that we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword Dogwood to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcasts, video, and to give.